and welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Jayshree Allen, a board-certified family medicine physician who's passionate about the health of my fellow millennials. I know we're booked and busy, but your first wealth is your health. So I'm taking some of my most important health messages and bringing them here to you on this podcast. So today, I want to share a little about my journey to medicine and kind of my reasoning for creating this podcast community. In November of 2019, there was an article published by CBS News in response to a new report that was released by Blue Cross Blue Shield. And I am not exaggerating. This was the headline. Millennials declining health could sicken U.S. economy. I read that and I was just like, whoa, this is crazy, guys. You know, they're essentially saying that we suffer from conditions, including hypertension, high cholesterol, depression at higher rates than our Gen Xers did at the same point in their lives. And that is of huge significance, you know, but at the end of their executive summary, they put together a little call to action and it essentially said it was to policymakers and the healthcare community at large to address the declining health among younger Americans before the more severe consequences in their analysis that they reported on uh, became a reality. And guys, and for me, it was like, ding, 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 ding. Here we go. My mom is a nurse. And seriously, this happened about four to five times that I can count. She worked at a teaching hospital. And whenever she would come across like other black residents or doctors who she really connected with, she would put them on the phone to talk to me like, oh, my daughter wants to be a doctor. Could you talk to her? Like, mom, I'm sure these people are busy. As in like high school. Seriously, this is like four or five times that she did this. But, you know, that was so encouraging knowing that uh, not only did my mom have this faith in me, but that the other people I was talking to, people who had never met me and knew nothing about me, genuinely spent the time to ask me questions and learn more about my interests and even provide, you know, some feedback on what they thought I should be doing to further a potential career in medicine, you know. And so that really led me to uh, college as a pre-med. So right out the gate, I knew I wanted to go into medicine. And I actually started my undergraduate education at NYU and love, love, loved it there. I completed my first year, but unfortunately, my family, we were having a really hard time financially and um, we didn't have anyone in the family who actually had a credit score that would allow them to co-sign a loan on my behalf. And so we had to kind of shift gears and it was it was a tough it was a tough period, genuinely it was a tough transition. 
But I held on to those dreams I'd had and I held on to the encouragement that I'd gotten along the way. And so I went back to the drawing board. You know, I did a medical assistant course in New York. You could do those things rather quickly and they're rather inexpensive and started working because I said, at least I can stay in the medical field while I'm figuring out my next move. And so the next logical move was, all right, we clearly need to find another college to attend. And I was like, all right, I definitely have to go back home because one of the major parts of our financial burden was housing in New York City to go to NYU. So I wanted a college that was cheap, a college that was close enough to home so that I could live at home and just commute, but also a college that uh, still had a reputation of getting students into medical school because I still knew that was the ultimate goal, you know? And I figured four years later, I'd be a little older, I could build up credit on my own, and I wouldn't need a co-signer at that time. So I was hopeful that things would uh, work itself out in the end. And so I ended up uh, going to the City College of New York in Harlem. And oh, that was such an amazing experience there. I was a Colin Powell fellow and learned so much about health policy. Um, I was able to really integrate myself with that Harlem community and learn so much Right. Not only about food insecurity, but housing insecurity and many of these other socioeconomic factors that contribute significantly to the health of a population, you know. And so that really stirred within me the desire to attend a medical school that had a focus on those issues. And I applied uh, broadly. Right. Medical school is a very competitive process. So I wasn't playing any games there. I definitely applied applied all over, um, ended up with a few interviews and uh, I think I had about three acceptances when it was all said and done. And I ended up choosing a Meharry Medical College. Y'all, that was the best of times and the worst of times. So here I am, a Jamaican girl, moved to the U.S. when I was 10, lived right outside New York City. All those years, I actually went to New Rochelle High School and really enjoyed it there. Had wonderful teachers who really pushed me in the right direction. Started at NYU, then went to City College. So I've just kind of been in New York this whole time. So totally like an urban metropolitan frame of mind and exposure and experiences. And here I was making the decision to go down south. Loud. It was good, though, y'all. It was good. It was good. Um, In addition to that, Meharry, if you don't know, is a historically black college. And so there was so much culture and so much pride associated with being a part of that institution. I just loved it every single thing about my time at Meharry. Uh, a few things they'll really stand out. Definitely having a good support system. So I made some amazing friends, friends who are still, I mean, I still talk to them on WhatsApp almost daily at this point and group me. 
uh, from medical school, and we still work on projects uh, together. So having great friends and great support system is when you need to study. You Sometimes you just need to be alone, yes, and to really focus and just like crack down. But sometimes, I mean, just having someone else sitting across from you who is also studying is just the motivation that you need to get going again, you know? And so shout out to all the amazing people who got me through medical school because they were my study buddies when I needed them. And then another thing from my time at Meharry, I was actually Miss Meharry, Miss Meharry Medical College. I forgot the year at this point, but I think it was my second, second or third year of med school that I did that. And it was awesome. So essentially, I was an unofficial community ambassador for the institution. So I'd go into the schools and do these reach out and read programs. We hosted lots of community service events. I was able to attend a lot of events on behalf of the institution, whether it was for scholarship funding or thank you dinners for donors. So it really started to expose me uh, to more than just the academic side of medicine. Like there's a whole developmental world out there. There's a whole community engagement world out there. And this is all still medicine. And so that's when my horizons really started to, to broaden. And then the other major thing I took from medical school, ooh, resiliency. So really learning how to bounce back from failures or missed opportunities. And I'm not getting emotional, but definitely uh, one of the major experiences I think about is a microbiology exam that we took towards the end of our first year. And after your first year of medical school, we have to leave to uh, complete a summer of research. Or you could do it on campus, because most people choose to leave and study at other institutions just to broaden their horizons, get some more experience elsewhere. And I mean, y'all, my suitcase was packed. (laughs) Flights were booked. I was ready to go. Because I was going to have an awesome summer working in New York City at the Jacoby Medical Center, which I uh, actually volunteered there while I was in college. So I was familiar with the program and the people there, but I wanted to come back as a medical student now that I had a deeper understanding of medicine working in their uh, Project Brief HIV program. And y'all, mm-mm. The last day of school, I found out that I failed that microbiology shelf exam. Whew. I still, I I remember this like it was that day. It was was that traumatic. It was kind of crazy. But one of the things that came out of that, my microbiology professor at the time, uh, shout out to Dr. Fatima Lima. Uh, She had me, I went to her office and I'm just like, Dr. Lima, I don't know what happened. And I failed the exam by like two points too. Something so crazy. It was like two points and they had just raised a passing score like two years prior. It was Oh, that one hit me hard. But I went to her and I said, you know, Dr. Lima, 
like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, I, you know, I genuinely, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I have this research lined up, plane ticket, and my apartment is, you know, I said I'd be moving out. Like, everything was just falling apart. And I will never forget this. She allowed me to sit there in her office. Honestly, it couldn't have been anything less than 45 minutes, seriously, and allowed me to just cry on her shoulder. And she just told me that everything was going to be okay. You know, there's this quote, it says, you know, um, I'm not looking at it directly, but something to the essence of, you know, people don't remember like what you said or did or something like that, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And that is genuinely what I remember most in that moment, how she validated my experience, how she allowed me to grieve, honestly, is really what it was because I felt I'd let myself down. I'd let so many people down, you know, and moving all the way to Nashville so far away from home with these big dreams, these big goals. And I'm like, you know, am I capable? Like, you know, genuinely, am I enough? Like, am I good enough to be a doctor? Like, I can't even pass a microbiology shelf exam. And, oh, I remember how she just just being so compassionate took those feelings of inadequacy away from me. I, I have no idea how she did this. I'm I'm indebted to her to this day. And so with that, you know, pull it together. Uh, the policy is I had to retake the course. I had to resit the exam. And so that's what I did over the summer. And needless to say, passed the exam with flying colors after the fact, right? And so another lesson just on bouncing back and rerouting, right, and building resilience. I love quotes. So throughout this entire podcast, y'all will see I drop these quotes. I should probably start looking them up before I quote them. <laughs> but um, there's another one that I like that said, you know, know, um, smooth sailing doesn't make for a skilled sailor, you know, and that's true. You do have to go through some ups and some downs to be able to like encourage other people when they're also going through their rough patches. Right. But it also gives you another sense of appreciation and gratitude for all it has taken to get to where you are today, you know, and I mean, I'm a whole doctor out in these streets, and I remember that microbiology exam like it was nothing, you know? So I'd encourage you guys on your quest to, you know, my thing is medicine and delivering health and a digestible manner, but whatever your thing is, you know, don't stop. Like, absolutely don't stop just because of a roadblock or a stumbling block or anything to that effect, you know? And then my last big lesson coming out of medical school was push your limits. Absolutely push your limits. I remember my dean, Dr. Millard Collins, got a shout out, Dr. Collins. Uh, he encouraged me to go to the Mayo Clinic to complete a rotation during my fourth year of medical school. And that's quite common during your medical training that you'll do what we call OAs or away rotations. And so Mayo had come, I think like a few months prior to talk to him and a few other people. And so they were trying to recruit some students and he told me I should go. Y'all, this is such a shame, you know, don't, <laughs> this is so bad. But I didn't, I couldn't even find Minnesota on a map for you before this experience. You know, when you grow up in New York City, 
There is New York, there's LA, there's Florida, and Atlanta, there's Atlanta. Um, but then, yeah, then there's a whole lot of land in between. And so this was my first time venturing into the Midwest. And I literally went to the Mayo Clinic, to the family medicine department for a one-month rotation. And I learned so much in my time there. It was incredible. And I said to myself, if I could learn this much in just one month here, what would happen if I spent three years here completing my residency training? And I'm sure by now y'all know the rest is history. I went to Mayo, completed my residency. Um, again, ups and downs, really good days, really bad days. The highs were very high. The lows were the deepest depths of low that I have ever come across in my life. But we'll, I told you all about Meharry already, so let's skip the Mayo stories. We'll talk about those those later. But God is good. My mentors are amazing. And my family prays to no end. And so I made it out. Absolutely made it out of Mayo. And my experience, though, at Mayo, because Mayo's a very unique place. You know, people fly over hospitals. People fly over country, whole countries to come to the Mayo Clinic, but it's situated in such an area that you still get a true sense of rural medicine. Uh, there's somewhat an element of urban uh, metropolitan medicine, even though on a smaller scale, and certainly academic medicine, and then global health, you know, a lot of the conditions that come in. And so I felt I had a pretty decent, basic, at the very least, understanding of many of those areas with the exception of rural health. I knew nothing about rural health. And considering that I chose family medicine, I figured it was important to at least learn a little firsthand about health in this uh, population. And so that defined where I went for my first job. I wanted that firsthand experience. I wanted to be able to contribute to a conversation, right, from genuinely a point of experience and exposure, you know, not just secondhand information. And so took on that challenge, new environment for me, new environment for me, personally and professionally. And y'all, it's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. But I got hit with a real case of burnout. Like these studies that come out, these things that people say about doctors who are burned, that's me. That's me. They're talking about that was M-E. That was Dr. J. Cherie. It was rough. It was absolutely rough. And so I, I, I knew I owed it to um, my patients who I care so deeply for, to my nurse, to the other staff, to my fellow physicians in the practice, that I wasn't bringing my best self to the job every day. And how could I do a better job of that? You know, and I had to kind of figure out what exactly it was that was burning me out in this career that I'd worked and fought so hard to 
for, you know? And I had a colleague, I don't know if she wants me to say her name, and I didn't ask permission before recording this, so I won't say her name, but someone I honestly, I barely knew, I just heard of her through someone, but I reached out because I think our situations were probably a little similar, and she would had something to offer to the conversation, and she surely did. She was like, have you ever gone to therapy? And I was like, no. And she was like, you should. And so I signed up for therapy. And so I ended up going to therapy. And y'all, I have become the unofficial ambassador for therapy. Okay. If there's an, a role for an official ambassador out there, please let me know because I will submit my CV. I have become such a believer. It helps you to clear the clutter in your mind. It, it just does. Think of that closet that you swear you're going to clean. Like, I'm going to clean out the closet. I'm just going to stop throwing things in the closet and I'm going to organize the closet. And you say that over and over and over to yourself. Sometimes you just shut the door because you don't even want to deal with what's going on in that closet, right? And therapy to me was just like a really good friend that came over and helped you to actually clean out that closet, Just having someone to go through that process of reorganizing, reframing, right, that experience, helping to set boundaries and put things in their rightful place, like, that is what therapy did for me. And I actually recorded a segment with uh, Primary Care Rap, Primary Care Reviews and Perspectives, which is actually a podcast targeted to uh, physicians and advanced practice providers. And so that should be coming out soon, actually. So if you subscribe, please check out that segment. I really talk a lot about encouraging our patients to pursue therapy. But, you know, after therapy, I was like, okay, so we've cleared the clutter. What next? And so I got a business coach. I mean, athletes have coaches and people who want to be successful have coaches. Like, why, why don't, why can't we have coaches too, right? If you want to get somewhere and you want to get some advice and some help. And y'all, that was the start of everything I'm doing here is that business coach. I actually mentioned the idea of a podcast to her. And she challenged me to start with Instagram and Facebook Lives. Just, you know, podcasts include getting the equipment and actually sitting, making time to record and then doing the editing and you need hosting, you need publishing, you know. And so she was like, you know, it's quite involved. It's quite an involved process. So how about you just start with lives? And I did my blog as a way to organize my content for the lives. And so that was amazing. And we did uh, 10 segments and we're successful in that. And then that article came out in the midst of that. And I was like, boom, it's time. Let's go. So here we are, guys. Here we are. I am so excited to create this community of millennials who want to be healthy. And if you don't want to be healthy, I, my goal is to convince you <laughs> that definitely your first wealth truly, 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 truly 
is your health. And we have time, right? We have time on our side to really get these things right, okay? You are not doomed to these heart attacks and these strokes and, you know, other forms of disability that are being discussed, you know, when people talk about chronic diseases, you're not doomed to that life. We have time with our lifestyle interventions and with personalized advice from your physician who can give you advice based on your specific health condition. We can turn this around, y'all. All right. So thank you all so much for joining me today. I hope this information was beneficial to you. Please subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out on Instagram. I'm at your fave Dr. Friend or Dr. J. Sheree. I dabble on Twitter and Facebook, but to be honest, Instagram is really my platform of choice. So find me there, guys, and let's continue this conversation. All right. Next podcast is coming up soon.